Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. Hello, and welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hemmerker, and I'm so glad you joined me. This episode, you're going to hear about this month's new releases in Christian Romantic Suspense. I hope you will enjoy hearing from your favorite Romantic Suspense authors as they talk about the background of their latest books. Now I'm talking with Debbie Miggett with no- about November 9th. So, Debbie, um, thanks for being on my show. Why don't you tell Thank me you. a little bit about your, uh, about your heroine and what she, how she feels about love at the beginning of your story? Okay. Well, in November night, we actually have two heroines. Uh, we have Jess, of course, who is the main character throughout the entire series. And as a quick recap for those who haven't read September Shadows or October Outlaw yet, uh, Jess is a young girl, about 17 years old, and she's living with her sister, uh, Sly, who's 23, and their younger sister, Maggie, who's 12. And the three sisters are trying to navigate a new kind of normal after the mysterious death of their parents. So I took a page out of my own personal life, no pun intended, and the two older girls uh, are dating two brothers. And in my life, my mom and her sister married my dad and his brother. So in my personal life, two sisters married two brothers. And I also have some friends that have that same situation. So that wasn't a stretch for me at all to have the two sisters dating the two brothers. And that carries throughout the series. But um, moving to November night, we add a new heroine. And this one is Sierra. And when we meet Sierra, she is trying to stop the kidnapping of her young friend, Sophie. Now, uh, Sierra has had some trauma in her life, and because of that, she um, has made a vow never to love a certain kind of man. And during the search for Sophie, um, Sierra meets Levi Cooper. And guess what? He's exactly that kind of man. (laughs) (laughs) Of course he uh, is, Debbie. (laughs) uh, Yes. So Sierra has some really big decisions to make, and uh, it was it was really fun to write that. It was a little, um, I don't know, more challenging to kind of navigate the emotions uh, of what the characters were feeling. Um, so that that was exciting, and I'm really excited about this book. Great, and you mentioned the hero's name. So why did why did you decide to name him and remind us what it is? Okay, well, actually, um, I was going to talk about Cole. Uh, Levi is one one of the heroes in November Night, but Cole is the main hero throughout the entire series, and he is the one that is with Jess. And the reason I chose his name way back when I began writing the series is it's actually a family name. Uh, My great, great, I think, grandfather was named Colby, and they called him Cole, and then I've had uh, several other family members who have used that name through the years. So when it was time to choose a hero's name, that was just kind of a natural for me. 
Oh, I love I love that you were able to use the family family connection. Mm-hmm. So now, what about your villain in November Night? Who or what does your villain love the most in this story? Well, uh, we actually have uh, several villains, uh, and I love them all for different reasons. <laughs> but um, the one Maud is my favorite, I think. And the thing that Maud loves the most is her calico cat, Callie. And uh, Callie actually has a significant role um, in November Night. So I will say that Callie does have a happily ever after, so there's no concern to go. Okay. <laughs> okay, good, good. I was getting a little scared there. Can yeah, we do right romantic suspense? <laughs> right. So let's, yeah, so let's talk about the setting. If it's a fictitious place, what, do you ba- what did you base it on? Oh, this is I love this part. Um, I am fascinated by history, American history, and especially I've always been intrigued by the gold rush. And so I decided that I wanted to write a series set near an abandoned ghost town. So I began to do some research and uh, looked at different ghost towns around the country. And when I found Bannock, Montana, I knew I was home. So um, Bannock is uh, kind of in the middle of Montana in a, uh, in a mountain. You go up about um, half an hour up the mountain, and you reach Bannock, and there's some beautiful pictures online, and I might even add some to my website, of the buildings and uh, just how well it's been preserved, and it also has a really interesting history. So I chose Bannock. And then I wanted to anchor my fictional town of Justice near a real town. So about a half an hour south of Bannock is the real town of Dillon, Montana. And so uh. Dillon also figures in the books, and Justice is about 15 minutes east of ah. Yeah, I'm, I'm on a, a website, a Facebook uh, page, actually, with... Uh, residents of Dillon, and so they've been really helpful uh, when I reach out and ask them questions about the area, and especially last uh, the last book, October Outlaw, uh, was about a uh, cougar who was terrorizing the area, and so I was able to get in contact with some of the game wardens and different people in that area, and they gave me some insight. So it's really nice to have that authenticity. And I've even yes. had people in Dillon uh, offer to put me up if I ever wanted to come out and visit. So I may take a look oh. on that. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. So what was the yeah. um, what was the hardest part of writing November Night? Oh, boy. I, uh, I just recently told an author friend, I said, if our books are our children, November Night was my problem child. <laughs> <laughs> And the reason, and I love the book, um, but the challenge was, well, first of all, the whole series, all of the books are written in the first-person point of view, present. Okay. So um, that's a challenge in itself because, um, say, Jess is talking, uh, she can't know anything other than what she sees or has been told. And mm-hmm. so we don't have any omnipresent in there, you know, and so you have to be really careful not to have her discuss information that hasn't been given to her yet. So the person, the 
point of view is challenging, well, then I added Sierra. So the first time in this book, I have two people giving their point of view. And, uh, of course, I, I break that up in chapters, so it's not confusing at all. But uh, So I had to make sure that Sierra and uh, Jess, their point of view didn't overlap, and they weren't talking about something they couldn't know yet. <laughs> so that was oh, one right. challenge. Yeah. And the other challenge was uh, all of the books are written with a timeline. And um, they begin, uh, you know, because they each have in the month, September, October, November, mm-hmm. they begin on a certain date, and I give the date and the day and the time. And so in November night, uh, there's some real um, tense action at times. And so I had to be really cognizant of the fact that um, how much time was in each chapter because things were moving really fast. So um, that was kind of a challenge. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. I, that really it makes um, your book sound very intriguing. And we are almost out of our time, Debbie. So leave, let's leave us now with your book's tagline. Okay. Well, the tagline would be, Rescuing Sophie Could Cost Her Everything. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being on my show and sharing about November night. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Sarah. And now we're going to talk with Lori Wood and her latest romantic suspense, Northern Redemption. So welcome to my show, Lori. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So, um, and this is part of a series, is that correct? Yes, this is book four of the Heroes of the Tundra series. Okay. Um, So let's talk about your heroine um, and how she feels about love at the start of Northern Redemption. What's How does she feel? Like it? Hate it? Don't want it? Well, she's actually a runaway bride. Ooh. um, Yeah. So I worked that trope into this particular story. Um, So she's definitely not looking for love. She's, uh, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but um, yeah, she's a runaway bride. She's gone back up to Churchill, Manitoba um, to get away from what's happened to her. And she's definitely not looking for love or a relationship. Ah, okay. I have a feeling the hero is going to change that. Um, but sounds like he has a greatest fear he may need to overcome. So what is what is his greatest fear? Well, I made it sort of twofold. He's afraid of the water, which when you live in Churchill is very it's, it's difficult because, it's, of course, it's right on the shores of Hudson Bay. And uh, the Churchill River runs from the bay, which is Arctic waters, in through the top of Manitoba there and through the town. And he's afraid of the water now because his dad drowned seven years ago. He wasn't Mm. able to save his dad. So I kind of use that also as a metaphor for his shutdown over his life from that, you know, traumatic event and Mm. his fear of commitment and so on. So being afraid of the water has to play out, of course, literally and figuratively in the story by the end of the book. So that's oh, yes. Fear. Yes, of course. Well, when we write romantic suspense, there's always a bad guy or gal or villain. So why did you decide to make this particular villain the villain in Northern Redemption? Well, I actually have two. They're a bonded pair of cousins. And um, so they're 
they're escaped convicts and mm. their cousins, they were raised together. And I, I dwell a little bit more on the, on the one cousin, Darren, give a little bit more of his past to show um, how he got to be the way he is. Most convicts, or I should say inmates, um, have a lot of childhood abuse or trauma in their background. Most mm-hmm. people who end up in jail. And um, so I wanted to explore that as well. Not that he gets redeemed in this story particularly, but I just wanted to give a little bit of explanation for why he is the way he is and and give him a, a more human side. Well, of course, because even, even the bad guys have, <clears throat> have something about them that we can sort of kind of relate to. Um, and let's talk about your setting. You mentioned... Um, that it's on a bay, um, but if it's a real place, and it sounds like maybe it is, what's one thing you had to change to fit the story? Because we get to do that as fiction writers. Well, yes, Churchill <clears throat> is a real place. It's a town of about a thousand people. Um, you can Google and look it up, look it up on the map uh, of Canada. It's, um, it's right where the uh, Canadian Arctic begins, and <clears throat> I've actually been up there. It's, it's a really cool little town. And um, I had to change all the commercial names <laughs> because my publisher doesn't like to use So there's no such thing as Ruby's Cafe and Emporium. There's no such thing as the Great Northern Lodge. I had to change all the names for, for all the businesses, which was fun because, you know, I had to get creative. And it also gave me the freedom to make them the way I wanted them to be so I didn't have to shoehorn anybody's business into the story. Um, but the actual street names the health center, the RCMP detachment, all that stuff is the same. Yeah, ah, I kept nice. all that the same. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. So let's talk a little bit about how you got this idea. What was the genesis of this storyline for you? <clears throat> well, the hero in this book is Rory Gallagher, and he's the um, adopted brother of Joy Gallagher, who was the heroine in book three, Northern Protector. So that book was kind of a prodigal daughter story where Joy was the prodigal daughter. He was the older brother who'd stayed home, taken care of everything, done all the good stuff and been the good boy. And I wanted to explore him and his trauma in this book. So this was always a planned um, book in the series. And, um, and I, I really enjoyed writing Roy's story. It was really cool to sort of make him different from my other heroes make him, you know, not law enforcement or anything like that. And and just to sort of do a deep dive into the kind of trauma that, that men can experience and how that comes about, how they deal with it in their lives. Mm, mm, I like that because, you know, trauma is not limited to one gender or the other. That's for sure. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're going to come to um, close for our interview, but let, leave us with what's one thing you want readers to know about Northern Redemption? Um, I think that redemption comes in many forms and that one of the things that's important is to remember to forgive yourself for mm. your part in your own past and your own part in your own trauma in the past. Um, so redemption doesn't always have to be... Um, you know, it's accepting the past for what happened and what it was, and then learning from that and moving on to have a good future. That's that's what I'd like people to take away from this book. I love that. It's such a positive message. So thank you for sharing about Northern Virginia. Uh, Northern Virginia. Sorry, that's where I live. Northern Redemption <laughs> today. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. And now I'm talking with Elizabeth Goddard about her new book, Shadows at Dusk. So welcome back to my show, Elizabeth. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So um, I'm glad you answered this question. I love hearing about what our heroes or heroines could have if they have a pet. So for your heroine, what, what kind of pet does she have um, or want to have? And if she does have a pet, what's the name? Uh, it would be a Samoid, which is a um, the dog actually in the at the beginning of the book that she rescues, and in the book it's his name is Coda, but that's not her dog. So if she had her own dog, it would be named Misha, and that means that's Russian for who is the Lord. So I really like that name, and and those kind of dogs are big and white and fluffy, and and those, they go really well with Alaska. Not something I'd want in Texas, but <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, no, I totally understand. We have it's always good to have a pet that can be easily acclimated to the weather. That's for sure. Yes. Um so let's switch to your hero. Um what's his greatest fear in this book? Well, I think like so many heroes in real life too, it's just a fear of of failing again. He believes that he failed his sister who he went out of the way to protect. And then she goes missing, and so mm. he is afraid of that happening again. And so uh, he is not going to let let himself fail Carrie. Carrie okay. James, the British pilot. So um, now, of course, you can feel free to, to keep the villain a secret um, if that's necessary for your plot. <laughs> but why did you decide to make this particular person your, your bad guy or girl? Well, I have, um, you know a lot of villains going on in the story. So I can just throw out one particular villain that at the opening of the story, um, he pushes Carrie out of the plane. It's a moving plane. It's in the air. <laughs> but I made him a villain because she was in love with him and they were a thing and because it was such a shock factor. So uh, I don't know. It just seemed like I just felt like it was. It just brought out a lot of emotions in that first scene to to be so shocked that someone that you're in love with is a bad guy. Yes, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, that happens in real life more times than we yes. want to read about. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so I know your your this story you've mentioned it already set in Alaska. So, how does the setting move Shadows at Dusk forward? The story. Oh, the that's a good question. Really, how does the setting, how does it not move the story forward? <laughs> so that setting is such an important part of the story, and I use everything about Alaska to drive the plot forward. I I just found so much ri- richness in Alaska as I was researching and and looking at everything that could possibly happen happen so I could bring my plot to life. So it's a huge part of the story, and actually, not only does it drive the plot forward, it's more like a character in the story. Ah, yeah. Yeah, I love it when we can use the setting, um, a building, or the whole setting, the whole state, you know, to as, yes, as yes. such an integral uh-huh. part of, of the story. So, um, but wh- how did you come up with this? What was the genesis of this story? How did you come up with it? Well, I... Um the whole series, uh, Missing in Alaska, I came up with, just to, to give you some background on that, um, mm-hmm. when I was actually 
researching for another book called Deadly Target, um, and I was researching podcasts, and I came across a podcast named Missing in Alaska, and I was just like, oh, I got chills. I was like this. I got to write a series um, called Missing in Alaska. And so fast forward to Cold Light of Day, and then, of course, I have uh, book two, which I knew would be, which is Shadows at Dust that we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. I knew the characters would be Harry James, who is the bush pilot that we meet in the first book, and then Trevor West is a detective from Critical Alliance, which is the last book in my Rocky Mountain Courage series. So I brought them together, and um, sometimes you just get a, I get a like an image of a scene, and that's really what happened with this. You know, yes, I know I have to write the story. I know where it's going to be set, but what is the story, right? And I had to yes. write a teaser. I'm way ahead of the book that I haven't even written the book, but I had to write a teaser to go in the back of my last book. And so the scene came to mind, which is what I just referred to, where um, her, the person that she loves pushes her out of the plane, and I had to, I had to just go from there because you know when you start with that, it's going to be a, just a really wild ride of a story. Yes, yeah, definitely. So um, I know we don't have much more time left today, but can, what's one thing you want readers to know about Shadows at Dusk? It is a story that is probably a lot just full of action adventure, more than I've written before, um, because when you're going to use it, have a bush pilot and it's in Alaska, you know, that just gives you a lot of ideas of what all can happen. It is also a story filled with love and forgiveness and redemption. Ah, Love those themes. Always, we can't read enough about them, that's for sure. So um, thank you for being on my show, and I hope uh, our listeners will pick up Shadows at Dusk. Thank you for having me. And now we're going to talk with Kimberly Woodhouse about her latest romantic suspense, The Secrets Beneath. So welcome to my show, Kimberly. Thank you so much. So let's dive right in and talk about your heroine and how she feels about love at the start of your story. She is not a fan of it at the beginning of the story. She's very wounded. And um, three years prior, she thought she was going to marry the guy that she loved with all of her heart. And they had a horrible argument. And he left. Yeah, well... That that will make you a little sour on love, I think, <laughs> even if it was your fault. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's talk about your hero in The Secrets Beneath. What is his greatest fear? His greatest fear is that he's lost Anna forever. Mm. I suspect that's not the case, but shh, we won't give it away. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, so you know, he is the hero of the story. So yeah, yeah, I know we do love our happily ever afters. That's not a yes. spoiler. Half the fun is getting to the happily ever after. So, but as romantic suspense writers, we get to throw a little something extra into the mix, which is our villains. Um, so, who or what does your villain love the most in this story? The villain in this story loves his flowers and his garden the most. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is going to have to read that book now to figure out why. 
<laughs> but I love that. Oh, that's great, Kimberly. So let's talk about the challenges because sometimes books are easy to write, sometimes they're hard. For you, what was the biggest challenge in writing The Secrets Beneath in this setting, in the particular setting that you put it in? This one was very difficult in the sense that I was super excited about the history around this, the Bone Wars, which was in the 1800s, and the Great Dinosaur Rush. And I had connected with the granddaughter of Earl Douglas, who is the man who is, you know, responsible for the bones, that everything that turned into Dinosaur National Monument. So he's just legendary. And that was a whole lot of fun. But it was very challenging because the research was intense. And it was very tricky diving into the world of paleontology. I absolutely loved it. Loved it, but it was really hard. Yeah, that that would be challenging. I, one of the things I like about being a writer and one of the things that's hard is the all the research we have to do so we're accurate for whatever adventures our yeah. hero and heroines <laughs> go around. We we make great people at parties if you can get us to talk because we have all this useless information (laughs) (laughs) about our heroes and heroines. Yeah, so let's talk about the genesis of this story. What what inspired you? What what was the kickoff to write this story? Well, it's kind of funny because my editor at Bethany House had asked me, so, hey, what would you like to do next? And I had like five really well-researched ideas for series. And then at the last minute, I thought, let me just throw this out to my readers, you know, on Facebook. And so on my author page, I just put out a question, hey, what's something that you guys would like to see in fiction, you know, in Christian fiction? And what would mm-hmm. you like to see in a historical event or um, anything that you just think would be really interesting? And it, <laughs> it cracked me up because a friend of mine, she put the Bone Wars. And I thought, oh, man. That would be super fun, and there's so much suspense around it because the Bone Wars were all about two big paleontologists that were just dirty. They just did so much horrible stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was actually how it started, and when I said that to my editor, she goes, ooh, dinosaurs. Who doesn't love dinosaurs? Let's do that. And so that was (laughs) how it all started, but, you know, most people, I love my villains. I really do, and I love suspense no matter, you know, what genre I'm writing in. And it's kind of funny because the villain character is the one that I knew the best and I knew the most Mm. of, you know, before writing the story. And I've had more readers on this book that have written in and have just said how much they love that character and actually really cared about this character as well. Um, And, you know, how much it really shook them and how much the book really did some stuff with them. So I I really have loved hearing that, you know, from readers that they have enjoyed that. Ah, that's that's wonderful. And so we're going to close our short time together, Kimberly, with what's one thing you want readers to know about the secrets beneath? Oh, I had a good answer and now I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have too many things swirling in my brain. Um one thing that I really hope that they can take away um, through reading it is hope and redemption. Mm. Um, even through, because there's a lot of darkness in 
the book in the sense that it's very real and there's some major struggles with all the characters. And so hope and redemption is, is really, is really a big one for this one. Ah, I love that Kimberly. And thank you for sharing um, about the secrets beneath on my show today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And now I'm talking with Rhonda Starnes about her latest romantic suspense, Abducted at Christmas. So welcome to my show, Rhonda. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So um, I love the title, by the way, Abducted at Christmas. Um, it's, I've already, you already know that, that scary things are going to happen to your hero <laughs> and heroine. Um, but first, hopefully she gets to eat some breakfast. So what does your heroine eat for breakfast? Well, my heroine, Hadley, is a single mother of a five-year-old, Sophia. And so she's usually very busy in the morning getting Sophia dressed and out the door. And so Hadley tends to just grab a piece of fruit on her way out the door. Ah, yeah, that's that's the mom power breakfast, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So um, let's talk about your hero. Um, what's holding him back from finding love? at the beginning of your book? Ryan found the love of his life many years ago and was engaged to her, and he was on a tour of duty overseas when she was murdered. And Mm. so he has spent the last few years tracking down her murderer, and now he just feels like his happily ever after has passed him by. So yeah, but we know his heart out there. <laughs> yes, but we know that perhaps that's not the case. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's switch to your villain, and I love that you picked this one, uh, this question, Rhonda. But what is your vic- villain's a favorite musical style or song? Well, my villain villain is a very complex person, so. They tend to pick music based on their moods. Mm. Or, I mean, it could range anything from jazz to rock to bluegrass. But most often, you will find my villain listening to the classic country of Johnny Cash, Reba McIntyre, or Loretta Lynn. Ah, yeah, that so tells you a lot about songs. Yeah, that tells you a lot right there. But anyway, yeah, great songs. <laughs> Too bad they didn't make him a nice person. Okay, so let's switch to the challenge because um, there are challenges in writing our books. Um, and for you, what was the biggest challenge about the setting of the book when you wrote it? Uh, my biggest challenge was that my book is set in Wyoming. And I have only been to Wyoming once. Uh, you can probably tell by my thick southern accent, I'm a Bama girl. But I um, did go through Wyoming 38 years ago on my honeymoon. And so the biggest challenge for me was just doing the research. And with mm. it being set at Christmas time with snow, I really had to dig deep and I had to get brave and call some different locations in Wyoming and ask questions. Ah, yeah, 
Yeah, well, good good for you for, for persevering and getting those right. But, yeah, those, those can definitely be some challenges because Google doesn't tell us everything about a place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what was it about this particular story that made you want to write it? Ryan has been featured as a secondary ca- character in several of my books. And I've had numerous readers reach out to me and ask, for his happily ever after. Mm. I always knew I always knew I would write it. I just it had to have time for it to percolate just a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, we're glad that you did and gave him his story because I mean, sometimes we do like our characters, readers. <laughs> we do enjoy them, yeah. even the secondary ones. Okay, so we're going to have to close our short time together with one final question. What is your book's tagline? Saving the, I'm sorry, surviving the holidays with a kidnapper closing in. Ooh, that does sound scary. So, folks, you can get abducted at Christmas. Uh, And I thank you, Rhonda, for being on my show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammakerfiction.com.